It is good to be with you. Uh, it looks like a lighter crowd today. Uh, you might have seen me wearing a mask earlier. Um, and just so you know, we've got some illness in my family. So uh, it's been a while. And so I looked online and it turns out that uh, masking in public was what you're supposed to do for a few days. So that's what I've been doing. And uh, I know that some others uh, are as well. And there's just I think it's the back to school thing. So uh, anyway, we are where we are, uh, and let's continue to pray uh, that we heal uh, as a nation. Um, Let's begin with some prayer, and we'll get right into the sermon. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for um, a beautiful day that you have made for us. I give you thanks for... um, the goodness that is South Run Baptist Church, the ways in which uh, you have uh, spoken through it over these many years. I give you thanks for the people in this room and those online uh, who represent the body of Christ to so many in this world. God, I pray this morning that you enter this place with us, that you send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way, that you speak directly to our hearts and you convict us of the things that you wish to convict us of this morning, Lord. And I pray that each and every one of us be open to what it is that you have to speak to us. Lord, we lift all of this to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and to whom all glory and honor belong. Amen. All right, I promised I had fewer than four points, and it's true, I do, I just have two. Uh, it's just that those two points have a number of subpoints. Uh, sorry, Laura, uh, I know, I know, I cheated. Uh, so the two points are, there's really like two big movements of, uh, of what I want to say. We're, t- we're, we're talking, uh, just maybe to catch everybody up to speed here, uh, about uh, our strategic plan that we're rolling out last week. We started it. It was week one. Uh, this is uh, the second part of it, which is the equipping the church. Uh, and, and that part has indeed two, two parts to it, uh, namely uh, scripture reading uh, and then also small groups. And I want to talk about both of those this morning. Uh, then the third is what we'll talk about next week, which uh, is about neighboring. Um, so, uh, on to uh, the first part of this uh, two-part sermon, uh, the role of the Word of God in our daily, uh, daily lives. So, <clears throat> last week we talked about prayer, uh, and I was encouraging you all to uh, always start with prayer. I've already got some feedback, uh, and it's, it's been positive. Uh, And my hope is that indeed you're beginning to put some of that into practice. We will come back to prayer in just a couple weeks, um, but for now I want to introduce the role of the the Word of God in your daily lives. Uh, Dee Witten was the uh, former executive director of uh, North Star, and I remember him coming. He spoke to us. I was actually in the room, uh, and he said uh, that uh, the research shows that if there's one thing you can do uh, that, that is a predictor for spiritual growth, it is regular Bible reading, um, regular Bible reading. And I want to talk a little bit about that, what that might look like this morning uh, for you. So, um, 
Our church is uh, committed to equipping you uh, with different resources over the coming weeks in this year uh, that you might better serve uh, the world around you. And one of these has to do with regular Bible reading. I considered like adopting a plan uh, like uh, that we would all kind of read through together. But my experience says this, that if I'm encouraging you to 20 minutes of prayer a day, and then you say, oh, wait, pastor, like 20 minutes, and now you're saying I've got to do this other thing, this, this Bible reading on top of that, like pretty soon, then next week you're going to ask me to, you know, I want to calm your fears. We'll come back to that in a minute, but uh, I want to say that all of these things kind of belong together, actually. And so rather than offer to you like a Bible reading plan, I, I want you to begin to think in terms of building a, a habit, right? We've, we've been talking about this for a while now. Uh, in terms of like planting that seed, right, that, that's going to grow into a tree. So what that looks like for you is probably going to be different based on your stage in life, uh, where you are uh, maturity-wise. Maybe you've been reading the Bible for decades, and, and the thing that I would offer you is not enough. But maybe you've never really had any kind of Bible reading plan, and what I would offer you would be like way too much. And I want you to know that what we're trying to start with is what works for you, is building your habit in small ways so that over time, it can grow into something that serves you uh, and honors God. So if you need a Bible reading plan, Google is great. <laughs> but there's also a few apps, honestly. Uh, there's the Bible Project app. There is the Version app, the Read Scripture app. I recommend all of these. I've used them. They have, um, if you're not familiar with the Bible Project, they have these wonderful videos uh, that you can uh, watch and that will teach you all about um, the various books of the Bible and any number of subjects now. Uh, they've been around for probably over a decade and they do really great work. Um, so the objection, <laughs> I can hear it in some of you already, and if, if there was one piece of feedback, it was, well, gosh, I just don't know if I can fit 20 minutes into my day, which some of you might laugh at, and others of you might be like, yeah, I know, like, I, I, I really struggle with that. And, and so to add, like, one more thing, oh, you're telling me I, I need to uh, now, like, add Bible reading to this, and, and to that, I want to just kind of like, push back a little, and and I want to suggest to you that if that is where you are, wrapping together this practice with last week's prayer practice is actually quite effective. Um, I uh, have been doing this for some time, and um, it doesn't require uh, high levels of uh, study in order to be an effective Bible reader. It just takes uh, regularity. And maybe that's two minutes a day. Maybe that's five minutes a day. And then maybe it's part of what you're doing uh, as part of your prayer practice as well. The other thing is I found this, uh, this graphic online, and uh, I've entitled it, How to Transform Your Spiritual Life in Minutes, which sounded like a, a catchy way to get you. So uh, what we've got up here is a chart that includes um, how many minutes a day you would need to uh, put in in order to read through the Old Testament or read through the New Testament or the whole Bible, right? And uh, if you look onto the far left over here, if you want to read the Bible in a week, 
you simply read 10 hours and 30 minutes a day, right? I mean, that's not uh, expecting too much, is it, right? But if you, if you span all the way to the right side, right, here's what I would want to show you, uh, is if you just spend six minutes a day uh, in Scripture reading, uh, you can read through the whole Bible in two years. And here's the major point I would want to leave with you uh, from this chart. My goal is not to get you over onto the left side, the 10 hours and 38 minutes a day, right? It's not even to like push you to that side more and more. My goal is habit building. Because some of you, you only need six minutes a day and it will transform your spiritual life in minutes, right? I don't, I don't need you to come to me like in six months and say, I did it, pastor. I have read through the whole Bible in six months and then like I'm giving you a gold star. That's not the point of any of this. It's, it's not quantity, right? We're not aiming for quantity. We're aiming for, for the quality of your reading. I have a PhD in biblical studies. I know a few things about a few things. And if there's something I wish someone told me early on, it's what I'm about to tell you right now. There are at least two kinds, I'm gonna make it simple, two kinds of reading you can do, okay? There's two kinds of reading. One is reading for knowledge. And that is, you've got your concordance out, you've learned how to read Greek, you've learned how to read Hebrew, you've been doing all sorts of background work, you, you've got the social context, you've got all the contexts, right? And then you jump in and, and you read uh, and you're taking notes and, and you're really digging in and it's reading for knowledge. That's what I've done for many, many years. And it, it's valuable. I'm not gonna say it's not valuable, it's actually tremendously valuable. But there's another way of reading, and it's my preferred reading for you. In fact, for everybody. And I'm calling it spiritual reading. Reading for spiritual transformation. Opening the pages of scripture that, as Laura read this morning, it was a beautiful uh, uh, choice of passage from Laura, uh, is God-breathed, right? And if God is breathing out words, we can open this up in an active kind of way and find God speaking to us, right? I actually want to practice it this morning. And so this gets into like how you can weave this into your prayer life. This is something that I, I just did this week. Like, so when I get up in the morning, uh, I go outside and, and I just sit. And, and usually I sit in silence, and then I'll often open, uh, open my Bible, and I will read a passage as short as the one we're going to read. And it's our New Testament passage for the day. And, and I'll just simply read it through very slowly. Uh, the practice that I'm about to engage with you in this very moment is called Lectio Divina. It's an it's a ancient uh, practice that's been around for quite some time, probably 1,600 years or more. And it's the simple methodical reading and it's slow, and it involves silence, and it involves just a small portion of Scripture. And, and as we read it, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to listen, to listen to what the words themselves are saying, but more importantly, reading between the lines and listening for what God might be telling you 
What is it that your heart is hearing this morning in this passage? Maybe you missed before because you you didn't slow down enough and you didn't take your time with it. So no need to open scripture uh, because this time I'll actually read it for you. My suggestion is that you actually close your eyes and I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 26 verses 36 to 39 and to give you some of that context that you should have this is Jesus the night before he is crucified he has already had the Lord's Supper Uh, he has already shared that meal with his disciples and now they have gone to a place called Gethsemane it says and they're in the garden together And you can hear in Jesus' words the weight that is sitting upon him in this moment. Let's read together. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I desire, but as you desire. Matthew 26, 36 to 39. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I desire, but as you desire. Matthew 26, 36 to 39. And then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and keep Watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I desire, but as you desire. And there it is. You've done it. You've done your daily reading of the word, and it's been incorporated into a prayerful practice that is intended 
to transform you over time. Um, to, to close out, what, what I'm hoping for in your scripture reading practice and habit that you're building is, is four things, if we could cue it up. Uh, there's goals that I would hope, and you could probably add other things to this, but goals for regular scripture reading in my mind go like this. One, we're aiming to experience God, not just read about God. It's not enough to just know the right things. It's got to sink down in here. And man, if you can experience God in a real way by the opening of his word and allowing it to speak into you, that's power. Two, habit formation. That's what we're going for. Daily planting those seeds, right? And it doesn't, again, I'm not asking for an hour a day. If you can do that, that's awesome. But five minutes, right? I mean, that's... That's it. And if you can incorporate it into a prayer life, into a way that it's, it's transforming you, that's power. Three is transformation is greater than information, right? The goal is not just shoving everything into your head. It's not the information. It's that that information transform you from the inside out. That's the goal of your scripture reading. It'd be a spiritual practice that leads to spiritual transformation. And then fourthly, finally, speed kills. (laughs) Slow down. Take your time. You don't have to rush through a whole book in one day, right? Again, if you do, there is value to that, by the way. In fact, it was one of the things I used to do with my students all the time. I I would have them sit down and read the book of Mark in one sitting. You've maybe never done that in your life. And you see new things when you do that. But when we're talking about spiritual transformation, when we're talking about like your spiritual life, when we're talking about scripture reading on a daily basis, just let's slow down. Let's listen for the word of God. And not just this word, but as God is speaking to you out of it. All right, that was my first point. Uh, Point number two is is small groups. I want to talk about small groups. Uh, We can take that slide down for just a minute. We'll come back to it, though. Um, This is a hard pivot, and it's not directly connected to what we just talked about, but it is connected to uh, the overall vision for what we're trying to do here at South Run and some of the things that uh, we're aiming at for this next year. Uh, Our goal is that every member of our church be part of a small group, every single one. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's a big ask, and it kind of is, actually. What that means to me is that maybe that small group is, uh, is something that is uh, just like two of your friends, uh, and you meet on a weekly basis or a regular basis and do some intentional work together. Maybe that is a a formal group that exists already here at our church, and there's like 10 of you in there, uh, and later on I'm going to explain to you like what we've got available for you. Uh, Maybe that is um, like, again, a a South Run sanctioned small group, or maybe it's something with BSF or some other group that's uh, somewhere else, or or I've been meeting like with a pastor's group, uh, or like whatever it is in your life. The point is not that you have to be part of something that is South Run sanctioned. 
is that you should be in some kind of group context where there are people pouring into you, people who see you, who know you, who understand what you're going through, right? And who can be there to speak into your life from a Christian standpoint. This week, I was listening to a podcast that I like. It's called the Templeton Ideas Podcast. Uh, the Templeton Foundation offers uh, grants to all kinds of people. But uh, this one woman was on there. Her name is Jennifer Wallace, and she's got a new book that uh, sounds fascinating to me. Uh, I may pick it up. It's called Never Enough, a, When Achievement Pressure Becomes Toxic. The book is aimed at families uh, who have kids in the house uh, who feel pressure for these kids to achieve, to win like all-state track, to be the best dancer in the dance troupe, to get into the most prestigious colleges, right? Uh, I don't think Northern Virginia really struggles with this much, uh, uh, or maybe it does completely. I, I had to think like maybe she lives like uh, somewhere really close by as I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, oh my word, like she's speaking uh, the, like, as to like what happens here, right? Uh, so she's talking about what she calls toxic achievement. She then, uh, she, she contrasts it with healthy achievement because she is a, she's a high achiever in life and she says achievement is not a bad thing. Like we want, we want healthy achievement. Uh, she then kind of puts some parameters for parents around uh, what healthy achievement looks like. And, and she really just had two things and, and I found them valuable and they actually connect directly with the kind of thing I want in our church and, and the kinds of small groups that I would love for you to be in. And the two things uh, were that you should be part of a community or a family uh, who values you at your core, right? Who are you? And then when you show up in that way, you are valued for you being you, right? Do you know what I'm, do you know what this, have you experienced, maybe you've experienced the opposite, <laughs> where you show up uh, into a place um, and, uh, and they're expecting you to achieve in some way, or they're expecting you to perform uh, in some fashion, and, and then uh, you, you learn that, oh, if I'm the best dancer, uh, well, then people will love me, right? And then if I fail at that, uh, people may not as much, right? And so your identity gets connected to things that are not core to you. But a healthy family and a healthy community looks like a place where you can show up as you in all of the mess and all of the glory, and you're loved. And you're loved for you, right? Just uh, my own experience here, you know, I, I have to stand up here on a weekly basis and, and give a sermon to you. Uh, just a window into uh, the life of somebody who does public speaking on a weekly basis is that, um, like, I don't necessarily preach like Andy Stanley preaches, right? And so if I uh, get someone who says, you know, you should really do this kind of thing, like, you should be more like that. I would say, well, I'm glad Andy Stanley has figured out exactly how to be Andy Stanley. I'm just not him, (laughs) right? I can only be me. I can only preach like Eric Gilchrist 
preaches. I can only walk through this world like Eric Gilchrist walks through this world. And, and I want to be accepted for, for that person, not for the person like, that somebody else expects me to be. But my guess is you've had this experience any number of times in life too, where you might walk into a room and someone's expecting you something of you. And my hope is that in our small group settings, that you can walk into those and you can just let down all of the masks and all of the guards and all of the things that keeps you from being you and to just show up in an authentic kind of way. So that was the first thing she said. The second thing she said uh, is that you need a community or a family who depends on you to add value back to the community. And by your very presence, there's some kind of value that you bring to the community and you recognize it. Not because you're the best dancer again, or not because you're the all-state track runner, or not because you're going to Harvard, but because you're just you, and you're valued for being you, and you're needed for being you. I was part of a pastor's group this last year uh, that was really formative for me. It was an important uh, part of my life for about six months. And um, it embodied these two things quite well, actually. And we were encouraged. There were some ground rules of being part of this group from the outset. They, they kind of made clear, like, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And, uh, and the two rules were, uh, were much like this, which is that when you come to this place, we just need you to be you. Don't put the masks up. Don't make the joke that's going to like somehow like deflect, whatever. You know, just show up as you, right? And then we need you to be present, right? We need you to commit and to come because when you're missing, then the group is missing something because you're not present in it. And so I, I became part of this group, uh, and the, uh, maybe the base text, the, the foundational text upon which this group sat is the one we read for this morning from Genesis 2, the, the marriage text, right, which says that, that essentially God forms uh, Eve because the man is alone, and, and it's not good to be alone. God makes us so that we are meant to be in community for a reason, right? And then it goes on. And it talks about the man and the woman coming together, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There's just these beautiful passages. And then it concludes this way, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And how I read this and how it became part of the, uh, the, the ethos of this group that I was in is that um, essentially what I read here is not just like some sort of like physical description of what life in Eden was like, but more importantly, like an emotional or like psychological, like there is no need to hide is the point in this text. There's no need to hide, for Adam to hide from Eve or Eve from Adam. They were completely open with one another and they were unashamed. There was no shame in that situation. And they were accepted for who they were, right? This kind of group, by the way, is incredibly powerful in a variety of ways. Because you can show up to it, again, in all of your glory and all of your mess. And you know that people will be there to meet you 
and to say, I love you for who you are. And maybe it's, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. It makes me sad to see you walk like, through this difficult time. It makes me hurt inside. Or maybe it makes me angry that someone's done this thing to you. And, it, and there's something about being in community with someone who understands you at a, at a deep level, at a core level. Transformation can take place. And we know that we're not alone. My hope would be that some of what's happening here at South Run and, and the small groups that we offer here would create opportunities like this. Let's put that uh, uh, goals for small group culture back up. So some of what I hope for here is that again, as, as we come together as small groups and, and do uh, Bible study together uh, or whatever it might be, we, we are experiencing God now this time in the face of another person. Bob Goff has a great quote. He says, what I've come to realize is if I really want to meet Jesus, then I have to get a lot closer to the people he created, all of them, not just some of them. And so if the body of Christ is this, right, then when we meet each other and when we meet, like, the true other, we can experience God in the face of another. Same thing I said with Bible study is true here, which is that transformation is greater than information. It's very easy to come together as a study and to say, all right, we're all going to learn together about this topic, and then you learn about that topic, and then you go home at the end of the day, and you're not necessarily transformed by it. My hope is that in our small group settings, it provides opportunity for transformation to happen. Thirdly, authenticity. Valuing the core of the other's being. Showing up with our authentic selves and allowing others to see that. It requires a certain vulnerability, which can be dangerous, feels a little unsafe. But I assure you, this is like the, the magic sauce of a, of a good small group setting, is the ability to be authentic with one another. Um, this, of course, has kind of two sides to it. The, the group itself needs to make it safe to show up in an authentic way, in a naked and unashamed kind of way. Because what could happen is if someone shows up and, and, and then the group is not like kind to that, or someone rebukes them for doing that, then what's going to happen is, well, oh boy, now the walls are really going to go up. And now I'm going to say, well, it's not safe to, to be my full self here, so I'm going to hold these things back, right? This is not how good community works. But then there's the other side of it, which is the side of the individual. It is incumbent upon you, the individual, and me, the individual, to show up in this authentic kind of way. And then lastly, uh, small group settings can become incredibly powerful for uh, accountability, for encouragement, holding each other to higher standards, right? 
And we all know this, like if you want to start working out uh, regularly, it really helps to have that workout partner uh, who's going to show up. And, and then if they're at the gym waiting for you and the alarm goes off and you're like, oh, I really don't want to get up today, but John's going to be there. I better go. Uh, right? That's a very different experience than trying to do it alone. And um, nobody's there to meet you. And you're like, oh, the alarm went off. I think I am going to go back to bed. <laughs> All right, so um, some details. As you walked in, you should have received one of these. Uh, does everyone have one? If not, uh, now's a good time to either find one or maybe afterward is a better time to find one. The, the, the hard copy here, uh, these, this is a list of the small groups that we currently have in operation, uh, including names of the people who run them, the times, uh, perhaps the study themselves, and you can see we have uh, some men's groups, we've got the, some women's groups, and you can read all of this uh, on, on your own time. Um, this... This is for those of you who are looking for a small group, and maybe the times don't work here. Maybe the study doesn't work, or maybe you're just trying to, maybe you want something different. Um, so for example, I could see some working men saying, you know what, I'd really love to do this, but I don't want to do this like in the evening and uh, when I'm exhausted, but I'd love to do it at 5 a.m. <laughs> Uh, and others of you are like, that's crazy, but maybe there's just two or three of you who want to do that. I'd be happy to organize a group uh, that meets at 5 a.m. on Tuesdays uh, if that's something that you would need. So, as you're thinking about what your interests are, we will be collecting these as you walk out. And if you want to fill something out, uh, I will gather them. I will make contact with you. And we'll try to work something out that works uh, for uh, those people who are trying to find something. And then lastly, from this, um, at the bottom there, there's a, a co-ed study that we're trying to start <clears throat> on Wednesdays. Uh, from 6 to 8 p.m., this is when our youth meet, and they meet here in the building, and we've got a group of people who are already interested in doing some small group uh, life together at that time, adults now. Um, if that's you, uh, and you'd like to meet somewhere in there, um, let me know. We, are, we have not been doing Wednesday nights as adults for quite some time, ever since COVID. We used to, if you don't know, we used to have a meal every Wednesday night, and it was a lovely time to gather together, and we would uh, we'd break bread, and we'd, um, we'd do some small groups, we would uh, do some kids' time, we'd do some youth time, and uh, of course, COVID changed everything, and so we are, I, I would love nothing more than to gather some adults together and to do life together on Wednesday night. So if that's you, um, please reach out to me. Um, Lastly, in terms of equipping the church, uh, what you can expect from us. Here's what we're going for. We're trying to call every church member to daily Bible reading, as I said. We are trying to call every church member to be part of a small group, whether two or three or 10 or 12, whether at SB, SRBC or elsewhere. Uh, if you read the Friday email and you made it all the way to the bottom, you might have seen that I created a monthly challenge 
and the monthly challenge is connected to our, our three uh, strategic points. And, and so I ask that you consider uh, finding 20 minutes a day to pray, uh, under equipping that you find a small group to attend, and under neighboring uh, that you have an intentional conversation with one of your neighbors that you don't know well. And then lastly, we uh, eventually will get to the point where we're trying to disciple the congregation on how to engage with our neighbors and our communities that are around us, and there's more to come on that one. So this is indeed strategic plan point number two. As a church, we think it's important to equip you with the, uh, the ability to succeed. And by that, I mean spiritual transformation through regular scripture reading, through being part of a group within which you can be transformed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You have called us into the family of God together. And uh, families can be messy, but they are sources of transformation, that's for sure. Lord, I pray um, that this morning, as we have heard uh, from your word, and as we have um, uh, talked about what it means to equip our congregation, Lord, we ask that you continue to work on the hearts of the people, that you draw us into community together through these small groups or some kind of small group, and that you encourage us, Lord, in regular reading of your word. And Lord, as we do so, we pray that you show up. We pray that you meet us there. We pray that we experience you in powerful ways that we never have before. And God, we just, we ask for transformation. We give you thanks and we give you praise for the work that you have done, the work that you are doing, and the work that you desire to do in each and every one of us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.